0: <laughs> what? Uh, a dimly
3: lit room deeper than the bowels of the Armstrong and Getty Communications compound. And today on Little Friday, we're under the tutelage of our general manager.
4: You know, I'm struggling, struggling to come up with a good one. I uh, thought of going with Donald J. Trump, pot stirrer, uh, because his uh, well, his pot stirring continues. Honestly, heck of a lot of people look into the old man for cues. It's true. What else did you think of going with? Uh, nuclear power. Hmm? That's because I'm an advocate for it, and, and it's starting to be looked at in a different way. I find that intriguing. I think it was the death of David Crosby, the generation of soft rock singers who convinced America that nuclear power was so scary, are dying off or something. I don't know. Here, big finish, Michael. Here we go. Come on now. Bring her home.
3: I was just looking at this new study of uh, the four habits of happy people, according to science. Well, that's what I need. and Right and, there, right on time. And uh, I was hoping that at the top was listen to talk radio to get angry first thing in the morning. But it's not. <laughs> <laughs> it was so. an oversight, certainly. <laughs> <laughs> it's not on the list of ways to be happy, so maybe we'll get to that later. According to science, what are the ways to be happy? Also, according to science... Wearing masks didn't do anything. Can't wait to get all the the latest stats on that. Holy cow. Will we ever, ever get a reckoning on that? Probably not. But that's some fun stuff. (laughs) No is the answer to that. That's some fun stuff. So we'll get into that later also. Very excited about that. Um, Depending on where you are in the country, it's either going to be like freakishly cold. and uh, Los Angeles having their first blizzard warning in like 100 years or something. Mean- los angeles is freezing meanwhile in new york city it's going to be 82 degrees so it's uh, depends on where you are it's really weird really weird all across that's the, the beautiful thing about climate change exactly. as
4: opposed to global warming variety i thought you people liked variety it's a sign of global warming or i'm sorry climate change the uh, the cold and the heat. And Indiana has been at normal temperatures for four straight weeks. That never happens. That's another sign of climate change.
3: I was just reading something as I walked through the doors on my mind. So a Maris poll about how Americans uh, want Congress to deal with the whole debt ceiling thing. And that the headline should be, no wonder we can't get along. Because everything is almost exactly 50-50 split, Republicans and Democrats, on whether we should raise the debt ceiling 8 and 10 democrats yes 7 10 and ten, uh republicans no should we uh, how should we deal with uh uh getting everything back in order should we raise taxes or should we cut programs almost exactly 50-50 with all the democrats saying raise taxes with all the republicans republicans saying cut the programs i mean it's just mm-hmm. no, no wonder no it's a, it's wild that we've been so practical. well we see it in the presidential elections it's almost exactly 50-50 I remember we had Newt Gingrich on years ago, uh, and I asked him, when, when does this uh, polarization end? He said, when one side wins. Well, we, we ain't there now. Hmm. We're still, like, deadlocked at 50-50. Is that when things are the, 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 the worst, when things are 50-50? Is that the way it works uh, in a way, throughout history?
4: Y- yeah, I mean, if you have a battle in which... Well, and and we're more or less observing it in Ukraine, I think, where the sides are very evenly matched and have a great deal of trouble making any progress. Yeah, the killing is just going to continue, or the mayhem, or the rancor, or partisanship,
3: whatever, yeah. About half of Republicans, though, say the United States is providing too much support to Ukraine, and that number has been growing slowly over the last year. And Donald Trump was in Ohio yesterday, showed up there to look at the water and uh, talk about how the government's fallen down and saying we, if we weren't spending so much money in Ukraine, we could take care of this sort of stuff. So I don't know if that's going to be his angle running for president, but uh, there's, a, there's a chunk of people out there that want to hear that.
4: Yeah. did he say, Was he that specific about it, or was it like Joe Biden cares about
3: Ukraine but not about America? Well, whichever. Yeah. yeah. S- similar thing, making Ukraine the t- the somehow... A leverage point on the water in ohio i i don't think they fit together but uh plenty of people do
4: yeah see now yesterday i remember i was uh, i was in a mood where i thought well it's you know it's crumbling it's a, it's a, it's a declining empire oh that's right it was a nihilist N- nothing wednesday you can do about it right, exactly and you accused me of nihilism welcome to another nihilist wednesday Well, it's Nihilist Thursday, if you want to call it that, but it's not nihilism (laughs) at all. I'm the college coach. I look up. There's there's a minute left. We're down by 37 points. And uh, Listen, I'm going to send the guys at the end of the bench in. They've showed up to practice every day. They work hard. They're nice kids. Maybe they're not very good, but they're going to get some playing time because the game is over. It's been lost. We tried hard. (gasps)
3: Wow. But it's been lost. Wow. That's why... Turn on talk radio was not one of the four things for having a happy life. Come for the anger. Stay for the despair. <laughs> <laughs> now, nah, as I always
4: add to, to those thoughts, you can have a wonderful, happy life in the midst of a uh, declining empire, declining industry, whatever. Hey, honey, Mom.
3: I'm in too good a mood. What's that show you listen to where the, the guys have given up? They've just given up on everything because they say it's oh, over. Yeah,
4: it's Armstrong and Getty. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Turn it's, that uh, on. I tell you what, you're in a good mood. They'll take care of that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, like, for instance, uh, ga- I think gas-powered cars are clearly a declining industry. For the next, you know, 10, 15, 20, 30 years, people are going to get rich designing, b- building, selling gas-powered cars. People are going to enjoy driving them. It's just kind of on the way down. Mm. I feel that that's the the the, the vibe for the United States of America, Oof. maybe it's not. Maybe maybe it's just a, a, a sine wave. It goes up, it goes down a little bit. Who knows? Our great rally might be right around the corner. It just feels like. Look around America's cities. Do they look like a vital empire that's on the rise? Remember when you got mean- a bunch of zombies rolling around in their own scabs and. People Damn. living a just disease a day. Yeah, I
3: got what. I got an article here about the trank and how people in oh, San Francisco are on the trank that tranquilizes so me. bad. Um, but do you remember when Jeb Bush? Jeb! Exclamation point! Remember when Jeb Bush? His his one of his slogans he'd say in all his speeches is, uh, "If I'm elected president or whatever, the, um, the best days America's ever had are going to be in front of us." And I and I remember thinking or saying, "That's not possible." I just don't see how that's possible. We're not going to be as dominant as we were from the through the 50s, 60s and 70s. It's just the the world has changed. Um but you know, I don't know. I guess you get more But again, votes.
4: that's not a reason to despair no, or anything. No, no, it's just no. Uh I, and there's there's a certain Value, I think, in recognizing—I mean, we're talking about uh, people doing trank and rolling around in their own scabs, which is an odd phrase. Ew, um, yeah. In America's wow. uh, uh, cities, That's just the, rough. the decay, the moral societal decay that we're witnessing, and I th- think there's absolutely value in recognizing it mm. and saying, "Hey, uh, we we've, uh, uh, we've we've seen the results of some of these experiments we're conducting as a people. Let's be honest about them."
3: Yeah, that's a rough image.
4: Well, it's 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 a rough freaking drug, man. Uh, a good friend of the family is involved in drug rehabilitation in a hospital level. And the stories he's told me about the, the people on the Trank. Oh, so sad. So gross. Kids, don't do drugs. So don't do drugs that you're not a 100, 100, 100% sure what's in them.
3: Well, don't do Trank, period. I think you can make a blanket statement on that one, can't you? See that's the thing though, people
4: don't know they're doing it. It's like the fentanyl. It's the it's being used to cut other drugs, and then you're addicted to it. Then you got to seek it out specifically.
3: Oh, wow! And then you're rolling around in your own scabs, as you. Oh, better so to leave that behind. You us, so yes. poetically said. Thank you. Let's uh, start the show officially, so we can just change the tenor of things here. Please, yes, um, I
4: apologize for my tenor. <laughs>
3: Oh, I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty on this. It is Thursday, February the 23rd of the year 2023. We are Armstrong and Getty, and we approve this program.
4: Okay, then, let's leap into action officially. According to FCC rules and regulations, the downer preamble to the show is over. Thank God. The show begins officially now <laughs> at Mark.
2: This is
1: it, Elmo? Yes, Ms. Lizzo. Sesame Street's famous
2: cookie flute. I've played a lot of instruments, but I've never played a cookie before. <laughs> May I? Go for it. <laughs>
1: oh, boy. Oh boy.
3: And then if you didn't see Lizzo's appearance on Sesame Street, Cookie Monster was there, and they had a flute made of cookies, and Cookie Monster ate the flute. And it just, I feel like people weren't thinking ahead there. You can't have Cookie Monster in the room if you got a flute made of cookies. It just seems like a mistake. Once again, it seems poor like planning. S- such an obvious oversight. Where's Putin? Boot edge edge. We need to. We need some answers
4: to these problems. Uh, so uh, then uh, Lizzo twerked in front of
3: Cookie Cookie Monster. He became fully aroused. I he taught. He taught Abby. She taught Abby how to uh, you know, grind it up against that light pole. No, I just said <laughs> that, that's wrong. That's wrong. I shouldn't even. You shouldn't say things like it. All right,
4: I'll try to refrain in the future.
3: <laughs> I used to like when celebrities would show up on Sesame Street back when I watched it with the kids. It was fun.
4: Yeah, the the whole Lizzo twerking image thing—it it bothers me a little bit that the, she's then there with the children. I'm sure she's a nice lady,
3: you know. But she seems I'm like a, of- she seems very very nice. I'm kind of surprised that she's decided to go with the um, overly sexualized thing. But it's uh, made her a lot of money.
4: Yes it has. It has. You can only admire her for that, figuring out what the market wants and delivering it, although uh, again, it's it's pornographic and sickening. Uh, I'm trying to think of <laughs> like when I was a little kid watching the 70s, watching the the, the Sesame Street in the 70s, uh, were there like sex pot uh, actresses, singers that were that were guest stars well, or no, was it but generally your more wholesome acts?
3: Well, yeah, but you you're, you're ignoring the uh, cultural degradation you were just talking about a few moments ago. Things have changed. Mm. Wow. Wow. That's troubling. We had up with people dancing in the Super Bowl when I was a kid. Now you have uh, pornography. (laughs) (laughs) Our Super Bowl halftime show today, pornography. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Wow. Um, So how
4: how does mailbag look? Oh, right. From being uh, horrified by Janet Jackson's areola to just
3: (laughs) showing porn. Well, progress. Uh, Mailbank is fine and dandy. It's good. Yeah. This stuff about the the latest studies on how masking and distancing didn't do anything are really something. And it's in the New York Times, by the way. So uh, that on the way. Our text line is 415-295-KFTC.
0: Armstrong and Getty.
2: Armstrong and Getty Show.
3: So pretty much the best thing you can run against as a Republican in America is the media. Run against the media. It really, really works. Uh, and mm-hmm. you have good reason to. And Ron DeSantis, Governor of Florida, demanding an apology out of NBC News. So there's been some back and forth there over the very clip oh. that we played you yesterday. Vander Mitchell absolutely uh, mischaracterizing to the point of fraud or lying the position of Florida schools. So we'll have to talk more about that later. I am glad to hear that. Excellent.
4: Here's your freedom-loving quote of the day. Whoops. Oh, man. I did something really stupid computer-wise here. Sorry. Uh, Going back to our, our series from Alexis de Tocqueville. When the past no longer illuminates the future, the spirit walks in darkness. One of the reasons I'm so fond of that quote is that it, it recalls George Orwell in 1984, where what, the, the, the very uh, main character of the book, his job is essentially to erase history. Because so, if you can erase history, if you can erase a sense of a people's uh, origins and self, our, our myths, our stories, then you just live in the ever-present present where the party is always right.
3: Sounds a little like the lyrics to a Spinal Tap song also somewhat like that yes indeed uh, mailbag i just have one question are we gonna do stonehenge again that's what it sounds like to me you
4: can drop us a note mailbag at ArmstrongYGetty.com is the email uh, address mailbag at ArmstrongYGetty.com. keith in eugene oregon writes dudes that reading and discussion on one more thing of mark twain was great <laughs> he refers of course to the armstrong and Getty one more thing podcast Jack, that was a really entertaining reading of Twain. I'm jealous your boy's getting to hear you read it. I think you guys could do this with each chapter, with real-time guffaws and discussion. I really enjoyed it. More, please.
3: It's reading Tom Sawyer to my son and got to the portion with lots of end bombs And, uh, and, and the, the, the story's just hilarious anyway. So, uh, yeah, One More Thing podcast. Check it out. I tell you what, that would save us having to
4: come up with something every day. Let's do it. Jack reads Mark Twain. <laughs> I love this idea. Joe from Osprey, or do you say Osprey, Florida? On the question of Joe Biden uh, walking, stumbling, tripping up and down the stairs to Air Force One and perhaps tumbling to his death at
3: some point. <laughs> oh, jeez. Do you see, it, it appeared he hurt his knee and was kind of limping around through the day. Yeah. And apparently yeah. the day before when he got when he stepped down from something, if you're over the age of like 45, you've had this happen, where just all of a sudden your knee just like gives out on you. <laughs> right i took a bad step whatever that means (laughs) yeah exactly anyway so he's kind of limping around a little bit maybe that contributed to his falling up the stairs yesterday could could be but
4: joe uh, from florida writes don't you guys read the constitution being able to ascend and descend the steps of air force one is a presidential requirement it's in the constitution you dolts lincoln talked about it in the gettysburg address anyway after listening to jack speak of his ancestry search i decided to give it a shot what was really interesting turns out i'm related to elizabeth warren uh, no, that's that. <laughs> your punchline is no good, sir. <laughs> that just that. I'm made here all week. Try the veal. <laughs> that's
3: funny. I found out I'm related to Elizabeth Warren. <laughs> that's funny. You know, if we're gonna yeah. elect eighty year olds as president, though, yeah, do away with the steep stairs. And uh, it, it, that's crazy.
4: Uh, Our fan Wayne writes, you guys asked why the president has to go up and down uh, those long stairs. Why can't he use the gangways, the jetways, like regular passengers use? The answer is security. Air Force One never parks near any building or other aircraft. They can't risk a bomber shooter being able to get that close. They always park in a far off clear area in the airport, secure the area, et cetera, et cetera.
3: That's interesting and makes sense. But there's got to be an easier way than having an old man walk up 50 steep stairs.
4: Yeah, absolutely. Mobile escalator. Uh, da, 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 da. Also, uh, if they parked at the terminal, they'd be relying on a ground crew to push them back. I'm sorry, Mr. Need- president,
3: we don't have a gate right now, so you're going to have to wait a little bit. And you're going to have to contact the uh, <laughs> president of France and let him know you're going to be a little bit late. Uh, just, we appreciate your patience. Uh, we'll be uh, pulling up the gate just as we can.
4: And Air Force One has to be ready to take off on a moment's notice so they can't risk any delays. It has to be there, ready to go vroom up into the sky. So mm. that's why. But get a mobile escalator. Come on.
3: Masks didn't work. Proof is out there.
0: Stay tuned.
3: Armstrong and Getty.
1: the of the hill, make a right. My name is Karen Jacobson. My speaking voice ended up in over a billion GPS and smartphone devices giving directions to people around the world. New York, not long after I moved there, there was an audition for a native Australian female voiceover artist living in the northeast of the United States. And I got the job. At the time, I was told that the Australian voice was a high priority because the Australian accent
2: was considered the most pleasant English-speaking accent
1: to listen to. You have reached your destination.
3: That's interesting. So Hmm. somebody decided an Australian accent, particularly one from the northeast in the United States. uh, No, that's just where they're doing the recording. Okay. Is the most pleasant voice... Okay. If you say so. Judy has an
4: Irish woman as her uh, I guess on her iPhone. Hmm. For her
3: nav voice. I don't do that, so I don't I don't know what mine is. Take the turning on the left. I can't stand that. I just uh, it makes me insane the idea. The Irish? No, the anybody the, the whole thing telling me where to turn and stuff. I hate that whole thing. I just don't wow. do it. I just I don't I, I hate writing with people who have it on. It's just uh Wow, right here in noise. Emails. mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com. The nonstop noise. I just don't like it. Um, boy, a lot of you are going to love this. A lot of you are going to really love this. This is from the New York Times' Brett Stevens writing. He's the conservative, using my finger quotes, that uh, caused so much stir when he got hired there years ago. The mask mandates did nothing. Will any lessons be learned? The most rigorous and comprehensive analysis of scientific studies conducted on the efficacy of masks for reducing the spread of respiratory illnesses, including COVID-19, was published late last month. Its conclusions, said Tom Jefferson, the Oxford epidemiologist, who is its lead author, were unambiguous. There is just no evidence that they, masks, make any difference. Full stop, he says. But wait, hold on, says Brett Stevens. What about N95 masks as opposed to lower quality surgical or cloth masks? Right. Yes. Makes no difference. None of it. said Jefferson, the Oxford epidemiologist. What about the studies that initially persuaded policymakers to impose mask mandates? They were convinced by non-randomized studies, flawed observational studies. What about the utility of masks in conjunction with other preventative measures such as hand hygiene, physical distance, distancing or air filtration? There's no evidence that many of these things made any difference. And these observations don't come from just out of nowhere. Jefferson and 11 colleagues conducted the study for Cochrane. It's a British nonprofit that is widely considered. I mean, I'd never heard of it, but according to Brett Stevens of The New York Times, and I assume he knows, it's widely considered the gold standard for its reviews of healthcare data based on 78 randomized controlled trials, six of them during the pandemic, with a total of about 611,000 participants in multiple countries around the world, which is pretty thorough.
1: Huh.
3: Um, now, Brett Stevens goes on to say that people uh, who individually wore a mask in certain situations might have had some benefit from it. But in terms of population-level population, population level benefits, the verdict is in mask mandates were a bust. So those skeptics who were furiously mocked as cranks and occasionally censored as misinformers for opposing mandates were right. The mainstream experts and pundits who supported mandates were wrong. And Brett Stevens writes, in a better world, it would behoove the latter group to acknowledge their error. Of course, that will not happen. No, certainly not. Remember what a political thing that was there for a while and how if you were anti mask wearing, you were just a non uh, uh, a science denying nut job and a Trump cultist. He concludes with this, which I like. And then we can discuss mask mandates were a fool's errand from the start. They may have created a false sense of safety and thus permission to resume semi normal life like they could have done more harm than good. We don't know that, but they did almost nothing to advance safety itself. The Cochran report ought to be the final nail in this particular coffin. There's a final lesson, though. The last justification for masks is that even if they proved to be ineffective, they seemed like a relatively low cost, intuitively effective way of doing something against the virus in the early days of the pandemic. But do something is not science and it shouldn't have been public policy. And the people who had the courage to say as much observed to be listened to, not treated with contempt which they were, of course. Right, right.
4: Wow, well said. Um, And I certainly think from a constitutional libertarian point of view, you ought to have damn good evidence before you either compel me to do something or forbid me from doing something.
3: Before you give it the force of law. And I almost can't talk about it because it's so emotionally bothersome to me. The kids wearing the masks in school for way past when, well, first of all, it didn't do any good, period, but at any point, but how about the fact that they're wearing long after the COVID was really around most places? Toddlers
4: being screamed at for letting their masks sag below their nose, for instance. Yeah, uh, it, it's uh, hard for me to not get really fired up over this. Kids it was trying to learn
3: useless in three different ways. Kids trying to learn without being able to see the facial expressions or mouth of their teachers. Yeah. Just for no awful.
4: reason. Right. No reason. Well, uh, because of either pro-Trump tribalness or anti-Trump tribalness. In this case, we're we're describing almost entirely anti-Trump tribalism. I I will tell you this, and this is weird. This is weird and freaky. You're going to think, boy, Joe Getty, you're a strange ranger. How do you make your way through life? When Trump said stuff I agreed with, I agreed with him. When he said stuff I disagreed with, I disagreed with him. Any independent thinker lives their life like that. And so both you and I, Jack, I think it's it's pretty safe to say we're agnostic on almost every single question related to the pandemic during it. I'm neither a slave for or against anybody or any politician. And so, you know, I was willing to listen and, and learn and figure out, all right, how do we deal with the Chinese bat fever? Thanks, Xi Jinping, you communist piece of crap. Um, I had no team. And it's just so sickening now, even now, to see people realize they probably don't, you know, come fully to this conclusion. But, all right, my team that I was so brutally loyal to was wildly wrong about this. But this was my entire identity. So I can't possibly admit it. So I'm not. Not even to myself.
3: Well, right. As he said there, individual mask use may have worked like, if, if I were walk, going to walk into this room and there were three people in here that had, I don't know, the flu, a cold, COVID, whatever, I'd wear a mask in here and feel like it was helping me out. The point is, the mandates didn't do anything. They didn't help anything. States that had them didn't get better results than states that didn't have them, or counties or cities or countries. One of the main factors being, and
4: Thomas Jefferson is looking over my shoulder approvingly as I speak these sentences. So listen up. It's from me and Tom. What they failed to consider was that people would, on their own, take such measures as they saw appropriate to protect their own health. And so the mandates were useless. People did what they thought they should do. And it worked. It worked as well as anything in the, in the shutdown states and in the wide open states.
3: I like the angle of uh, it may have done more harm than good. People going into more public places than they may have otherwise thinking, well, they mandate masks in this grocery store, so everything will be fine. And uh, maybe we would have done less, you know, spread the disease less if we weren't convinced that masks were the answer to everything. And then the whole this has been known to be bunk forever. The whole stand in six feet apart, which was just made up. Oh, yeah. You still go into places where they have the dots on the floor for standing six feet, of feet apart. Well, I got off a plane. Three days ago, where they had us get de-plane five rows at a time, so we can uh, continue social distancing. What? I wonder, are you freaking crazy? <laughs>
4: Well, as any restaurant hostess can tell you, Jack, you're magically protected from COVID while you're standing up. Oh, my God. Oh, I'm sorry. No, wait a second. You're not. You're magically protected when you're sitting down.
3: You're completely vulnerable when you're standing up. Remember, the only time I threw a bit of a fit about it the whole time I stayed calm through the whole pandemic was when I was at the Oakland Zoo and they weren't going to let us eat. We were hungry and they weren't going to let us eat because we didn't bring masks. And uh, sorry, we, we can't serve you without a mask. But I can sit down right there and take my mask off, and the table is like eight feet away from me. Again, that's the magical power of sitting, you fool. And I and I, and I I raised my voice, and the poor 22-year-old girls got scared, and I think served me out of fear, which I don't like. I don't like that. But I said, just get me some food. I'll have a... I just started in with my order, and they looked at me like I was a crazy person. But that, that yes. makes sense! get that anti-science and so it was the we believe in science crowd that was forcing that us on us ah i represent science Ah! you're the science crowd you're the science crowd really
4: you're acting like a bunch of superstitious year 900ers (laughs) what yeah i know it i know it jack let's talk The dismal science of economics, what with the pandemic effects and the housing market gyrations and the stock market. Gold can be a great way to protect your wealth during uncertain times. And we got your free silver bar. Technically, we asked our friends at Lear Capital to do something fabulous for our listeners. And they came through with a free silver bar. We'll tell you how to get it in a moment.
3: Wow. Yeah, gold could, according to a lot of the exports, go as as high as four grand an ounce. You never know. But if it does... And the cost of gold jumps close to those predictions. Your profits could be life-changing if you jump in today at the price that you can get with Lear Capital.
4: Now, there's no magic eight ball for future gold prices. But if you bought gold today at Lear Capital's favorable prices and the cost of gold jumps even close to those predictions, your profit could be
3: life-changing. So, with a risk-free purchase guarantee, 25 years of experience, and thousands of five-star reviews, we trust Lear Capital. Here's the deal. For the next 14 days, new Lear customers receive a free one-ounce silver bar with every ounce of gold you purchase. Dig that.
4: Your free silver bar offer expires in 14 days, so hurry to LearArmstrong.com. That's LearArmstrong.com. Gold! Silver! LearArmstrong.com.
3: So you know, kudos I guess to the New York Times for going ahead and publishing that op-ed piece. I got to imagine there are a bunch of uh, people in the newsroom that did not like Brett Stevens writing that whole. The ma- I mean, his headline is "The Mask Mandates Did Nothing." Well, it's it is humiliating to the shutdown crowd, and I mean,
4: deeply, disturbingly humiliating. So no, you're not going to see a lot of reckoning with that. You know, uh, speaking of the New York Times, they—I uh, think they published it today. It is a—it's a long article about um, a huge series of oral interviews that this uh, journalist, historian, person did, like before or at the beginning of COVID, in the middle, toward the end, and 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 currently um, about how people dealt with it and how they changed their lives and uh, how it changed their lives. And I wish people would talk more honestly about the kids. Anyway, don't get me started. Uh, what was interesting though was the number of people that they couldn't get to do this round of interviews. They just refused or ghosted them or, or whatever and then a bunch of people and this reminds me so much Jack of our discussion about how the uh, the great flu of 1918 the spanish flu thing kind of vanished from the public consciousness. So many people said, look,
3: I don't want to think about it. Right? I'm sick of thinking about it. I get I'm it. bored with it. I would say I I, I uh, I hesitated to even bring this story up. Wondering how many you want to hear anything about the freaking pandemic and mask. Yeah, I want to move on myself, but it just makes me so happy to see that that was as dumb as it seemed at the time.
4: Well, and, uh, you know, I agree. I totally hear you. Nobody wants to talk about this stuff. But, man, if you live your life as a person or as a society and you don't learn from the terrible mistakes you've made, you're a loser.
3: I also wonder what damage does it do to the the climate change argument. I mean you you pushed this as just clearly anybody with a brain knows the mandates are the right way to go. California's right, Florida's wrong. Okay, so this you turned out to be way wrong about this, way freaking wrong. But the client the climate thing, that one's different. You got that one right. That the uh, science has settled on that and we shouldn't question anybody who questions it is a nut job. Okay. Yeah. I'm not sure that works. Yeah, the
4: we're a science crowd. We listen to the science. That's uh, why you need to be six feet apart. Wear a mask, and you have to conduct this uh, this uh, business transaction to this person who's two feet away from you uh, through a piece of plexiglass, even though the plexiglass is only like three feet wide.
3: God, there's one restaurant I go to. I was there last night where the the hostess people still wear masks, and uh, and I just can't understand them. Women, in particular. <laughs> I can't. I can't read your lips. I can't hear you. What'd you freaking say? Take off your freaking mask! You lunatic! <laughs> Not their fault. They're probably told to do it. Anyway, uh, that's enough of that. But that that too, I hope that I hope that becomes a topic during the presidential election. The Republicans didn't make it a topic during the midterms. I wish they had, but they didn't. Uh, much more on the way. You can text us anytime 415 295 KFTC.
0: Armstrong and Getty.
1: at purdueglobal.edu. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com.
4: Have you been thinking about LASIK but not sure if you're a candidate? Just go to LASIK.com quiz and take our free candidacy quiz.
3: The Armstrong and Getty Show. I just saw. I, I, it filled me with more happiness than... I don't remember the last time anything made me feel this great. We'll get the audio for it and play it later. It's a like a high school basketball game. Looks like it's middle of the afternoon. And right at the end of the game, they announce... Uh, we've announced a snow day. There'll be no more school tomorrow. <laughs> and the crowd goes wild and pours out onto the court. All those kids, they're so happy. Uh, I got a feeling of happiness myself that's just inexplicable. There's no they, better feeling than as that. As
4: they say, the uh, that video ought to be next to the word joy in the dictionary.
3: <laughs> well, uh, Speaking of the pandemic, I remember when they announced no school for the next month. They canceled the school for April. And I was at the park with all the kids, and nobody was worried about the disease at that point. No, we didn't know the parents, nobody. It was just like, people were going, kids were going crazy running around. They were so happy. They called a, you know, a snow month in effect. Wow. That it was so exciting. And then it made them miserable. Then it, it then it affected their psyche for the rest of their lives. May have ruined their lives, yes.
4: Yes. Oh, well, it's funny how things turn out. Uh, Charles C.W. Cook, who's, uh, you know, one of our favorite writers, wrote a brilliant, brilliant piece I hope to squeeze in next hour about major book publisher is rewriting one of the most beloved children's authors of all time they've decided yeah her his books are a little rude we're gonna we're gonna just nip and talk here and there it's absolutely disgusting anyway uh, that to come so we we're talking about uh, Brett Stevens big uh, piece in the New York Times um, about how a gigantic study of multiple studies has shown that the mask mandate thing was utterly useless during the pandemic. And one of the things we're talking about is whether there will ever be an honest reckoning. And the answer is probably not. Here's another area where we need an honest reckoning. The various woke, progressive, so-called criminal justice reform measures. What do they actually do? What results do they, uh, you know, bring? There's a story, a crime story, that's getting a lot of attention around America. Uh, uh, Orange County, Florida. A guy shoots a 20-year-old woman, kills her. Then he returns to the scene later in the day and goes on a shooting spree, killing a TV news reporter, a nine-year-old girl in a nearby home, shot some other journalists and neighbors. Absolute nightmare. And there's a great deal of attention being paid to this by the American media who are hammering. The fact that reporters were killed and how terrible that is and how dangerous and regrettable it is. And that didn't, you know, that's fine. It is. It's, it's, it's awful. Uh, and this is a bizarre case and troubling in 100 different ways. And I read and I read and I read and I read. And finally, I got to. The fact that this guy's criminal history would make Al Capone ashamed of his uh, own.
3: That's funny. I, uh, I I saw that story, and I didn't read and read and read and read. I only read and read and read. I didn't do that second and fourth and fifth read. And Those because, are the
4: key ones. Don't skip those.
3: And so I didn't see, because that's what I was looking for, too. What was this guy's history? Why was he out? His criminal history includes, this is just part of it,
4: aggravated battery. Assault with a deadly weapon, burglary, grand theft, gun violations galore. Let's just keep giving him more and more chances till he truly, truly spills some blood and hurts people. Then we'll decide he's a bad guy and we'll be heroes for doing it at that point. Sorry, victims.
3: Yeah, what a weird trend. I hope we reverse this soon in the the country.
4: You know, some of the heroes of the left, like Maya Angelou, have told us. When somebody tries to tell you what kind of person they are, believe them. Believe them the first
3: time, or at least the fourth or eighth time. If you miss an hour of this show, you can get it in podcast form. Look for Armstrong and Getty On Demand.
0: Armstrong and Getty. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com.
2: It's my little escape.
0: Now Judy's the life of the party.
2: Oh, baby, Mama's bringing home the bacon.
0: Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes.
1: Ch-ch-chumba.
0: ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. we're prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
1: What's up, y'all? Janice Torres here. And I'm Austin Hankwitz. We're the hosts of Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories, a podcast presented by iHeartRadio's Ruby Studios and Intuit QuickBooks.